Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, this is Dr. Doreen Downing, and I'm host of the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast. I love interviewing people. I love having conversations, especially with people that I've been friends with for a couple of years and getting to know each other. Today, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Judy Baker. Hi, Judy. Hi, Doreen. Yes. Well, we've been following each other. We've been in part of uh, network groups together. So I know a lot about Judy. And I have even reached out to her several times as I was, what you call it, I guess, writing and producing and now marketing my own book, The Seven Secrets to Essential Speaking. And let me just tell you a little bit about Judy so you'll know some of what she offers out to the world. Bookmark. Let me start that again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I so know you that to read something is different. Okay. Book marketing mentor, Judy M. Baker, helps business authors turn content into cash without going broke or crazy. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Authors benefit from Judy's resilience, a gift discovered during her cancer journey. Thinking beyond the book since... 2011, her workshops and one-to-one mentoring have inspired hundreds of authors to build awareness about themselves, their books, and their businesses. And I just want to say, yay, yes, that's so true, that's so true. And so, Judy, ah, we're going to just launch into focusing on you today, and our conversation is about you and having a voice. Obviously, you do now because you're out there using it to gather more people around your book marketing business. But, you know, you didn't start that way, right? We we don't all start coming out, popping out saying, hello, world. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, actually, we do pop out saying hello to the world, but is the world... Uh, actually really happy to see us and welcome us, you know? Oh, well, start start with your early life, please. Okay. It, well, it's funny that you asked that question about how I found my voice and, mm-hmm. and a little bit about my childhood. Both of my parents were fairly introverted. And I grew up being the youngest child, and I was very fearful of strangers. And it was, oh boy, it just really put me in a box where I was not seeing that people could be kind and friendly initially. And as a result of that, I had such a tiny voice. People couldn't even hear me speak when I was in school. I was so quiet, which Seems funny, you know, when I think about it today, but it was, it was my way of protecting myself. And 
because my parents didn't have a lot of friends, I didn't ever see the model of, you know, just chatting and, and being friendly and, and doing stuff. I mean, my mom had a best friend and, and I was happy to see that, but my dad didn't really bring people over to the house. And, um, I think that's, a, that's something that is a gift other people I've met have learned when they're small. And so it's easier for them to get into conversations. I had to really learn how to do it. And I was in my mid thirties when that happened. Well, first, yeah, (laughs) you know, Judy, I've never really on the show as many interviews as I have had heard this kind of slant on coming into a family where there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, boxed up people, you might say, in a way that they aren't modeling. That's what you're saying. They aren't modeling social interaction, how to listen and how to engage in such a way that feels like it's a, a, a conversation. So communication, I never really thought about looking at your parents and how they communicate with the world around them is a modeling experience for those, as, those of us as children. Well, it was very true. And my mother was in sales. I mean, she worked in a <laughs> she worked in a department store. And it's it's funny because she had been offered a management position and she turned it down because she was a mom to four daughters and she didn't feel she could do both. Even though she, when she was single, that's exactly what she wanted to do and she had had been involved with sales and management uh, back in Minnesota. But in San Diego, she took a hourly job. However, people followed her. She had she had fans because she took care of her customers. And I did learn that from her, that ability to find out what do you need and how to give people what they needed, you know, guiding them along the way. And even when I was in college and I worked in a department store myself, was the same thing. People followed me. My customers kept coming back because I took good care of them. So that was an asset. Mm -hmm. I remember being a worker too at a department store. It was called the Emporium. I'm not sure. Oh my God. I worked for the Broadway. So yes. (laughs) Yeah, so we were getting our start out in the world uh, in actually somebody else's business. and But it's a good training ground to get out and meet people and learn how to, you know, focus on them and to serve them. So that's that's a good, good sense of what you learned from your mom, because I'm sure that's what you bring to, to your book mentoring. Uh, so in school, being a shy person... Any kind of memories that pop out, any kind of moments that you have? Well, it's so funny when I think about this. Um, I was always in my head and I would do little backstage plays and things. And I was involved in theater from, from very early on because it was easy for me to be somebody else, but it wasn't easy for me to be me. And the the thing that came up, the picture that came up when you said memories, mm-hmm. I was in a speech class. I think I was in eighth grade and I was in a speech class. And I can remember holding on to the lectern 
for dear life because my knees really were shaking. Now, nobody else could see that, but I didn't know that. And so I thought if I gripped the lectern, I wouldn't fall down, but I still couldn't be heard because my voice was bitty bitty. And I had started taking uh, classes in acting and my acting teacher was the one that shifted my ability to project my voice. And Mrs. Archer, Ann Archer, she's a beautiful woman. She stood on stage and she said, when you're on stage, you want to take up as much real estate as you can. So <laughs> stand there, put your arms out, get your feet, you know, secure on the ground and own the space. And what that did is it unlocked my knees because we know if our knees are, are gripping tight, our diaphragm is also restricted. So that let me breathe into my body and my voice came out and I was astounded. You could hear me in the back of the auditorium mm. and never before was that possible for me. I just, I went, wow. And ever since then, when I stand in front of a group, I make sure I have even footing and I've got on shoes that are comfortable and appropriate and that I'm standing there and people want to hear what I have to say. So I don't need to be worried that my knees are shaking anymore. Uh -huh. What an image with your hands clenched and your knees shaking. And obviously now you referred to your belly as being really like a rock inside. Uh, yeah, voice can't come from there more fully and freely. Wow. So before we go on to more of your learnings that it sounds like you're uh, going to be able to share today, you mentioned sisters. And I was wondering how that was relative to you having a voice, finding your voice, being oh. somebody who had a voice oh, or not. <laughs> well, they were all older than I am, obviously, since I was the youngest. And there was a gap. Um the two oldest sisters have a year between them. So one's nine years older, one's eight years older. And then next in line, she is five years older than I am. So they were kind of a cohort. Mm -hmm. And here was this little pipsqueak. So they were nice to me, but I felt excluded in a lot of things because I just wasn't ready mm -hmm. for what they were doing. And my oldest sister is even quieter than I am. She still is. The other two are very helpful people, but they're not super extroverted. So it's interesting that kind of pattern uh, proliferated. You know, we were, we were all good in school and that was important. But in terms of speaking up, I probably am, I would speak up if something didn't feel right to me, but I was, I wasn't somebody who just had natural conversations. I like talking to adults. I didn't like talking to my peers when I was a kid. Well, you had adult sisters almost. So in a way you had lots of experience, but also what you said about the siblings is that, you know, you, you couldn't really, cause you, developmentally, you didn't have the kind of uh, capacity that we do when we get a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a lot of years, eight years and seven, you know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, 
Uh, yeah, it's a lot of years, especially when you're, you know, two, three, four, five, and then five. Yeah, they're they're middle school and going off almost to high school. So did they actually, that just makes me wonder, just kind of off the cuff. I mean, they went off to college and then you were left at home, must have been something like that. Well, this is what's, what was funny. Um, we were all in college at the same time. I skipped two grades. Oh, my second oldest sister skipped a grade. Uh, and it just turned out we were all in college at the same time. But they had they had all left home by the time I was in high school. And then here we all happened, you know, at different different places in college, but we were all in school at the same time. So it was it was pretty interesting at my house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of you being the only one, I would, I guess I was just thinking what it's like when older siblings go off to college and then you're the only one left in the house with the two parents. I was just wondering if that had any oh, it impact. Did. It did. Um, well, my, my sisters were very jealous that I got to, I got to be an only child for, you know, for all intents and purposes from the time I was 13 till the time I left uh, San Diego when I was uh, 21. And that relation, the relationship building between myself and my parents was different than what my sisters experienced. Because, you know, scarce resources, and then here I get all of the attention. Mm -hmm. So it did, it, in some ways, it made me feel like I was super special and in other ways, it was very, still very isolating because I wanted the relationships with my sisters that didn't happen until we were grownups. Oh, that makes total sense. The both feelings, the, the joy of being the center of attention and getting all of that, but also the missing of the relationships. Uh, okay. Well, I, I was kind of curious because uh, I know that that's an issue sometimes for people when older siblings go off. And I was curious about how that impacted you. Well, you mentioned since we're still in high school, uh, you <laughs> mentioned you mentioned you mentioned um, acting and that this teacher had instructed you to do this technique where hello, the voice just arose and rang through the whole room. And were there other instructions about how to do that voice projection? Well, at first, it's I still was struggling with volume. And she said, you need to breathe. You need to relax. And then picture the person in that back seat. So like right now I'm picturing that. Picture the person in the back seat. And if, you know, and this is, I mean, today it's so much easier because they wear headsets and the whole, you know, yeah. rigmarole. But we didn't have that stuff. No, and we're talking about finding your voice. So, exactly. and this is the this is what you had then. <laughs> exactly. And so I pictured someone at the back of the room and this was not a tiny auditorium. I went to a I went to a fairly large high school. So it was a very large space to me. And I pictured that person back there and I wanted to make sure they could see me and hear me and being clear on my enunciation 
So she also had us do exercises to uh, loosen our facial muscles, our tongues, um, and learning how to not only increase volume, but that emotional connection made a difference. The enunciation made a difference. And being em- embodying that character was very freeing in, in my experience because now I didn't have to be me. I could be this other character. And when I started teaching and working with clients, I said, well, you know, I can put on that character, that persona of the helpful, smarter expert who pays attention and is delivering. And so knowing all of those things and getting getting better about understanding where my body was in space those those were were lessons that i took to heart kept practicing and you know and that's part of it too you have to practice to get comfortable with something so i think those were the the key elements that i learned from mrs archer <laughs> mrs archer i wonder yeah. if she's listening today <laughs> well, I wonder too. I hope she's still around. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. 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 Well, the other thing that I'm wondering about in terms of you being, obviously you are an expert, but you're talking about being in a play or acting and that's not the real you. So that the real you, it sounds like got held back while the other you, the actor or the act, i the, the actress, uh, the yeah. the person who is in, on stage in a play acting out a part that she, you know, you were able to have that voice. So the difference between, you know, putting on the performance and being really connected to you. Well, that's, Doreen, you bring up a good point. For a long time, I was so uncomfortable being myself in front of a room. Mm. Even not, not necessarily public speaking, although, you know, we all know the, the, the Seinfeld joke about you'd rather be in the coffin than delivering the eulogy. I found that as I got better at being comfortable on stage mm-hmm. in a part, I also got better behind the podium. And it's, you know, oh God, this is what's coming up right now. When, I was an adult, that whole model of, you know, standing behind a lectern, we all know that sucks. It just really does. It doesn't, it puts a barrier between us and our audience. And my turning point for that was Suzanne Roan, who is the author of How to Work a Room. And she never stands behind a podium. She never stands behind a lectern. I never stand behind one anymore either, unless I, there's some very compelling reason I've got to stand there because there's something I've got to grab. But being closer to the audience, being on the same level, talking to people before an event starts, whether it's in real life or on Zoom, makes a huge difference. Finding out who the audience is, who they are, and switching, you know, flipping the switch being more interested in you than I am in me gives me the ability 
to not only serve you, but for me to speak to where you are. And that's to me, finding your voice is, is really listening first and then responding, not being unprepared, but not trying to think ahead. Yes. Very, very nice. And I, I'm remembering what you said about your mom and you as a sales clerk and how you learn to pay attention. And what I, what I got right there was relationship, the power of relationship and how we create those positive relationship and those who want to do business with us is the way you listen, right? Isn't that what you're, you're talking about today is? Yes, it, it, it's being heard. And, you know, working with authors, they really want to have their voice out there. Mm-hmm. And yet they are often terrified about showing up that way. But in truth, not sharing what you know is a disservice. It's burying the help that you can provide. And if you listen first to what people's needs are and then offer them help and guidance, it can shift how you approach showing up as an author. It, it can be a lot more fun. And I'm all about having fun. I mean, if, it, if it's always painful, stop doing it. Uh, you know, you, you want to find the, the way that, that it's comfortable to connect and always a little bit out of that comfort zone, you know, so a little push, a little push. I mean, I'm sure when you first started doing your podcast, that wasn't the most comfortable thing in the whole world because there was a whole lot of learning going on. But like you, I'm very curious. And so I keep wanting to know more and try Mm -hmm. stuff out. And I'll try things. And if they don't quite mesh after I've given it a good a good go a few a few times then i'm going well is this really the right fit and maybe there's a better way for me to put my time and energy into serving people mm-hmm. i love this thing that you're bringing forth today in terms of being a voice is that it's not all <laughs> it's not all about us it's not all about you it really is about how you and especially as a a book mentor is how you bring out the voice in your uh, clients. And uh, one of the things I'm thinking about right now is, you know, like how do you, how do you let, like, give us an example of some, somebody you've worked with and how you help them find their voice as an author. The person who's coming to mind right now is Deborah Myers of Deborah Myers Wellness. And I've known Deborah for a very long time. I think I met her almost when she was first starting out in her business, and she's an acupressurist. And in, I think it was about 2012, yeah, 2012, she was really focused on how she could help kids and teachers and families all take on learning easy self-help acupressure. And she had this really big manual that she uses in her six-month programs. And I said, well, before we redesign that, what could you pull out that would be helpful? And with the focus that she was, you know, the direction she was going with the kids. And so she created a series of guides 
and an animated video that demonstrated the nine steps of the daily clean your house flow, which is something that keeps you in balance. And as we were doing that, Deborah is an encyclopedia when it comes to energy. And I said, but you know, not everybody else is an encyclopedia, nor can they absorb all of that at once. So let's just take a small slice. And with that, it helped her niche down. So she's got a guidebook for grownups. She has one for uh, kids and families and one for students and teachers. And the messaging is slightly different in each one of those. Mm-hmm. But it's these bite-sized nuggets. And it also was a proof of concept. Do people want to learn this? And how are they going to approach it? So it helped Deborah get out of her own way because she likes to just fire hose you. And she could. She could talk nonstop for years and you still wouldn't know everything she knows. Mm -hmm. But remember, we have to approach people where they are and get them involved and then you can deliver more. So that was... That was a, an exercise that has continued to support her, that it really shifted her ability to speak about what she does and be more concise and precise. Ooh, concise and precise. I so appreciate you uh, kind of illustrating for your our listeners, actually, uh, and perhaps your clients in the future who are listening about how you work with uh, somebody and help them, you know, bring out the best of what they have to offer. So, Judy, how do people find you? The easiest thing to do is to come to my website, which is bookmarketingmentor.com. And there's some goodies there for you. There's resources. You can find out how to talk to me, uh, tips on marketing. And if you're an author with a nonfiction book and you want to have a chat, not a sales call, but a chat about what's keeping you stuck, you could sign up for a book buzz audit. And if you can't remember Book Marketing Mentor, remember bookbuzzaudit.com and it'll take you right to the calendar and you can book a 30-minute call with me. Plus, we'll have links in the show notes so people can, uh, if they're listening, they know where to go. And I always like to give a final you know, stage, you might say, <laughs> to you to see what wants to be said to close our time today. I would like you all to remember marketing is a conversation. You don't have to be anybody but you. And when you are authentically yourself and show who you are and show up, that is what makes a difference. Lovely. And it takes people like you who will listen it out of authors. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.